This is the politics of everything, and I'm your host, Amber Danes. Welcome to the podcast where we want to discuss the politics of everything from money to motherhood, nutrition to narcissism, startups to secularism, the environment to equality, and much more. Our guests are experts in their field or topic of choice, even if you've not yet heard their name. This is a bipartisan podcast. So while we love exploring varied views and get a buzz from a healthy debate, by no means is this a one-sided forum for any one political view. So please listen up and enjoy the politics of everything. Living and working abroad is a massive rite of passage for many Australians and others seeking a cultural adventure and perhaps a career shift. I experienced four years of expat life working in Hong Kong, London and Paris in my 20s and it really was the best time of my life but not without its hurdles, namely things like banking, finding a home, tax, all those boring things. I'm chatting today to Margot Anderson, who's the founder of InSync Network Group, a rapidly expanding network that supports returning expats and their spouses to purposefully reconnect and confidently manage their journey home. She also runs another business, Talent Insight Australia, a management consultancy specialising in the optimization of careers, performance and business workforce planning. With particular expertise in aligning talent management strategy and with mobility practice, Margot is passionate about helping individuals and organisations maintain industry, customer and career relevance by knowing how to manage the movement of people and information. She's got stacks of clients including retail, groups, FCMG companies, energy resources and professional services, both in the private and commercial spaces. Margot works with CEOs, executives and senior leadership teams to ensure they have the right people in the right place at the right time. She's also a regular writer for the CEO magazine and a sought-after speaker on the topic of managing and developing global careers and leadership. And Margot will chat about this and so much more as we speak to her today about the politics of expat life. Welcome, Margot. Thank you, Amber. Delighted to be here. So in the simplest terms, what is an expat and have you ever been one? Well, it's really interesting because um, it's actually a really evolving term at the moment. I mean, I think traditionally many of us think about expats as being people who have been offered an opportunity overseas through the company that they work for. And that was definitely traditionally, you know, the, or the traditional version of the expat, the world of expat living and life. But I think today's evolving and changing way of work, the reality is, is that many of us have expat experiences, um, whether that's self-engineered or whether that's something that's happening through an organisation that we typically work for. For me, my personal story is that I, like many Australians, went to the UK for what I thought was going to be about a nine-month working holiday. So I was lucky that I could tap into the working holiday visa arrangement. And I thought I'd be back by Christmas, you know, one year, and and seven years later I returned. So I had an accidental uh, extended stay, if you like, like many people um, find themselves in. And during that time, I had an absolutely amazing time, both personally and professionally. I changed careers. I had a massive opportunity to become really well trained in that career. But uh, that actually was an interesting piece then in terms of navigating and bringing that experience home. So I think this whole world of expat living and the globalisation of how we live today and the workforce is really creating a new type of expat. 
Absolutely. No, it definitely sounds like it's evolved over time and not all the stereotypes are probably true. So we'll dig into that in a little bit. So your early career, what was that and how's that kind of led you to your current career path? Well, interestingly, I started my career as a teacher, uh, which in some ways seems like a long way from where I am today. So when I went to the UK, one of the great things about having a skill set like teaching was that it was easily transferable. So I literally got off the plane and I could walk into the world of supply teaching. And that really complemented my motivation for going overseas, which was to travel and explore Europe. But what happened is, is that when I decided to go back for a second year, I was really thinking about, okay, what is it that I want to do? And I happened to be chatting to my consultant at the time and they said to me, well, why don't you come and work for us? So I fell into this world of um, recruitment and sort of talent management uh, within the education sector over there. And then what happened from there is that another company approached me and said, come and work with us. We're you know, integrating some educational businesses into what was a big BPO at the time. So I moved into an operations director role there and really went through, I guess, the ranks of a big consulting firm or a big big organisation. And then I came back to Australia and uh, like many, completely underestimated what that transition involved. So found myself in some ways not so much having to completely reinvent myself, but really having to think about, okay, how do I bring and integrate this experience? And so I felt like I did a series of sideways moves for a while, but I ultimately ended up still in the world of consulting, definitely in that space of workforce planning, talent management, etc. And that has led me on a really interesting path um, because I did that within private business here. So I was then became involved in starting businesses and business advisory work. And that's ultimately led me to where I am today, where I have that in my own business with Talent Insight. Bubbling away in the background has been this passion um, and interest in supporting both individuals and organisations who have a global workforce. And a big part of that is linked to the repatriation or re-entry phase of so when people come home, if you like, and I say home in inverted commas because sometimes Australia doesn't feel like home because we've been away for a long time. But how do we actually bring our experiences back and leverage them uh, for the benefit for ourselves, but also for the organisations that we work for? So the InSync network community was really born out of that uh, collection of people that I found who were navigating a similar path. Uh, so it's been it's been exciting. Totally fascinating. Yeah, it's been a journey. It you know it certainly hasn't happened overnight. I've I've been home now for twelve years I think it is and I mean I find that extraordinary in itself Uh, but it is uh, you know obviously once you've lived that experience it becomes not just a professional journey it's also a personal journey highly personal uh, because these types of experiences they they you know in essence change you and they open up you know new ways of thinking new ways of approaching life new experiences to leverage so it's a really interesting path I, I totally agree and I, I remember having this conversation I've been back a lot longer than that and but it always stays with you those overseas career experiences and part of me is like is it kind of like you're reminiscing your youth and you're loving it because you know you're in your yeah. time and really there were more hardships than you remember but the flip side is I I remember talking to someone about how the fact I still think that even though I've got a husband and two kids that are at school that I can just go anytime I want. I look overseas for opportunities Mm. and someone said, yes, because that's what it does. It changes your DNA about how you see your life in a way because you always think it's possible because you've done it, you know, whereas people who've never done it, they probably still don't entertain those thoughts at this stage of life. 
No, and I think, you know, the reality is, is that when we are overseas, you know, invariably there are things that crop up and problems that we have to navigate that we never anticipated and we put ourselves out of our comfort zones a lot more regularly and I think what we learn is, is that hey we don't fall flat on our face and we we do actually not just survive but often thrive and we achieve much more than we ever thought we could and you're right it's not without its challenges we certainly experience a lot of challenges there but I think that that ability to overcome challenges think on your feet and to do it in an environment that you're not you know, overly familiar with, actually kind of sends you a message to go, I can do this. And the levels of exhilaration that can come with that and reward um, are quite incredible. And so I think that we kind of go, well, I've done it before. I can do it again. <laughs> it's it's not impossible. So yeah, that's what's what's made possible, which I think is the power of it. So the challenges of expat life aren't talked about very freely. I mean, a lot of people in the inner circle, when you are living in an expat community, I remember when I was in Hong Kong, we kind of you know whine and moan about our challenges, but probably to everyone back mm. home, it all just seemed, you know, like we're having this amazing life and and carefree. So what's the sort mm-hmm. of, I guess, the best way to help people prepare for that expat experience and, of course, then the coming home? Is there some mindsets and tools yeah. which they can, I guess, skill up on before they go so that coming home isn't such a shock as well? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I, I call it the three C's. You know, we've really got to consider why is it that we're going? What is it that we want to achieve um, out of the experience? And, you know, like there's definitely, it doesn't matter how well planned things are, things change. You've got to be nimble and agile in going with that. But I think we have to consider ultimately what it is that we want to experience. I think we have to really consider how we stay connected to life, family, you know, ex-colleagues, things that are happening at home. Because one of the greatest challenges when you return is that you feel disconnected. And it's about how do I re-establish those connections really quickly? And it's also then about creating, you know, what new experiences and new opportunities can I continue to create? Because when we're abroad, you know, it's like everything that we do is opening up to us constantly and everything's new. And it's, I always call it like the saturation of the senses. You know, we're listening to different sounds, we're eating different food, we're engaging with people from all different walks of life. And yet we have a common anchor in the fact that we're all living overseas together. Um, so there is a binding community in, in that a sense. And I think the interesting thing is, is that there are certain places that you go as an expat or, you know, as somebody who chooses to move overseas where that community can seem tighter. I mean, a lot of the people I work with who've gone to Asia, you know, they step off the plane and there's almost an instant community waiting there in an easily identifiable identifiable expat community. But if you go to London or New York or uh, another English-speaking country, often the expats don't all live together in the same place. They don't all hang out together in the same place. So their experience is a little bit different around the expat community. So when you come back, I think you've all, you've got to really work out, well, where is your community and how do I connect to it? Because I think it's that feeling sometimes of being isolated in what you think should be the most comfortable and familiar environment that's actually sometimes the most confronting. So how do we actually purposefully reconnect and have those conversations? And I think share the journey because I think there's a lot of assumptions that we make when we meet other expats because we go, oh, you automatically get it. 
you know, you understand there's these nuances that I don't have to explain. And then when you come back, all of a sudden you go, actually, not everybody gets it. I actually have to help people understand the experiences that I've just had. So you have to really think about how you're positioning yourself, um, be that in a social circle or a professional circle. How do I share the journey that's you know, helps them join the dots. Um, so there's a lot to sort of think about and consider when you are coming home. Yeah. So, you know, there's lots of challenges. I think, you know, there's another thing. I mean, if you start to look at some of the research and the statistics, you know, social challenges of expat relocation are attributed to five of the top uh, issues that people have for ex- expat employees. I mean, the number one reason that expat assignments don't work from an organisational perspective is is that there is a partner that's not landing or feeling like they are connected or enjoying the experience. So, if you've got one half of your family unit that doesn't doesn't land, that's really problematic. And so, I think sometimes we're very good at trying to support people on the way out, but we don't actually anticipate that that's going to be an issue on the way back in. So, it's definitely something we need to consider and plan for around that. There's a whole lot lot of other things that actually, I think, uh, emerge with challenges there. I mean, for people who are accompanying partners, uh, you know, often their career is put on hold um, for somebody else's. And so, how do they get that going again and and redevelop or reconnect on that front when they return? That can be a challenge. Or if they're going to be away for an extended period of time, how do they actually redefine what their purpose is or their role is or contribution is in the community that they're living so it can become quite complex for children. Um, you know, there's a lot of children that are born overseas. You know, when parents have expat experiences, and so coming back home, and I say home in inverted commas, that's not their home. So how do they, you know, uh, come back and adopt the Aussie way of life? And you know, obviously, the longer and uh, later in life that they do that, that's a really um, a big thing that needs to be carefully considered as well. Lot, lots to think about. Yeah, it's, it can become quite, um, you know, quite complicated or comp- not complicated. It can become quite complex, you know, depending on, I think, sometimes the length of time that you're away. I was going to ask about that. So, I guess, is there an example of sort of how um, you generally see this process going for the return to home? Like, I guess if you've been away 10 years, does it take you four to settle mm-hmm. in? Is it kind of a little formula and how do you navigate that? Well, I think, you know, it's so personal. So, it's really different for different people. But I do think that there is a sort of um, average sort of timeline of around about two years where people sort of feel that they've come back and they've got on board and they've got, you know, I call it the logistics sorted. So, they've got you know, the home front sorted, you know, if you've been away for a long time, you've often got investments or money or things that you have to sort of navigate in terms of getting back to Australia without big, you know, tax bills, etc. So, um, you've got to get the pets and the kids and everyone home and into school and settled. So, but there's also the other elements of transition and that's the professional side. So, sometimes that takes a little bit of time as well to reintegrate and to get going again if that's what you need to do. But then there's also the well-being side, that social and emotional side of feeling connected and feeling a part of something. And, you know, 
that doesn't happen instantaneously. It's like anything, we often have to rebuild some of those those pillars, um, whether that's getting involved in the local community in different ways. But it's also about finding new ways to share your newly acquired experiences and knowledge um, with purpose. And, you know, whether or not that's through community-based groups or whether that's professionally or whether that's socially, you know, they all take time to build. So, I mean, I know that when I've asked that question in my InSync community, people will say, look, I actually really enjoyed being home, you know, six months into it. It was fine. But I think it was two years or so before I really felt completely settled. And I think many of us are a little bit impatient in what is now an instant age that, you know, we sort of go, wow, two years, that's actually quite a long time. It is, it is. That doesn't mean it yeah, and that doesn't mean it has to be a painful two years. I'm not suggesting that at all, but it just does mean that you feel like you're on that reintegration journey, and so it takes time. And so we have to be a bit kind to ourselves and almost give ourselves a little bit of permission to go. Okay, this is going to be another interesting piece to navigate. I do always say to people when we're talking about the the return or the repatriation piece is that you need to treat that like another assignment, if you like, you know. And I, and I use that term in the um, expat assignment um, world. So, if you were in Hong Kong and then you move from Hong Kong to Japan, you would automatically go into, okay, what do I need to do to get ready? How do I plan for that? Where do I go to investigate these things? And we do a bit of research and we look for community groups and we actively prepare for that. When we come home, I think there's a little bit of the Australian psyche that I think kicks in with the, she'll be right, mate. We'll work that out when we get there. But there is also that piece that, you know, is a globally accepted awareness around the challenges of of returning, that it does take some time and we need to plan it. And many individuals underestimate what is involved with that. And so do the organisations they work for. So, you know, from an organisational perspective, there's typically very high turnover in the first 12 months of, of an expat arriving home. I think it sits somewhere around about 24% and, you know, it can go up to about 35% in two years of return. And, you know, from an organisational perspective, if you think about that, you've invested a lot of money in individuals and, you know, learning development. You know, there's a lot of IP, there's a lot of relationships, etc. So, to not address that from an organisational perspective is actually really costly as well. So I always say repatriation is like the prenup. It should mm. actually be on the table before you go. <laughs> and analogy. you should be thinking about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you've had lots yeah. of experience in this. And I guess you've got this other yeah. business, talent, talent Inside Australia. Does it have a connection, obviously, with the idea of the global workforce, connecting expats and I guess mm. the state of the global workforce? We do think globally these days. And is there kind yeah. of any sort of psychology around maybe how expats have changed over time and because we've become more interconnected um, in the global economy. Yeah. Do you think that some ways it's easier or do you think it's all sort of the same stuff but it's just more complicated? Well, I think with changing ways of work and, you know, the way we live, you know, there are new things that come to light that we have to navigate that we may not have had to have done 20, 30, 50 years ago. Um, But I, you know, I mean, Talent Insight is really around, you know, global career or career management and leadership development. And so, you know, I find that because of my interest and my experience in the global story and the overlay the fact that we are moving into a more globalised workforce, we need to make sure that we are building our global and cultural awareness. I mean, we just can't not do that and be successful in what we do. 
Australia might be a long way physically from anywhere, but the reality is we're actually not when you look at the technology and the platforms and the things that are going on here. So we've got a great opportunity to actually, you know, dance on the world stage. But we've got to, like all countries, we've got to increase our cultural awareness and our our, um, understanding and appreciation for the way that different, you know, regions or countries operate and do do work. And, you know, I think that people are actually looking for overseas experiences. If you look at millennials who are coming into the workforce, they expect to be on an overseas assignment somewhere in their career, um, or the majority do. There's an upward trend for that. So, if we've got a willing and able workforce that wants to engage in that, how do we how do we offer that? And what is, you know, it's, what is the business rationale for that? Like, how do we best foster that? And I think that then it's around going, it's one thing to, to take people offshore, but we've got to leverage that when we come back. So how do we actually, you know, ensure that that knowledge is retained and utilised and built upon, you know, to capture competitive advantage and to, you know, capture insights, et cetera, and support those who are going out next? Totally. Hmm. So can anyone be an expat or does it take a certain mindset to succeed? In your experience, are there some sort of things that you need to really not just be aware of, but maybe be in a little bit more in your DNA to actually make this work? Well, I think, um, you know, there's definitely a resiliency piece that that plays into that, um, into that ability to navigate high levels of change. But it's really interesting because, I, you know, I've seen people who have been on overseas assignments or who have chosen to go overseas and people are going, wow, wouldn't have thought that they would go or that, you know, they're going to actually navigate that. And I've seen them absolutely come alive. So there's obviously something that's in them that's craving that. I think like all of us, it has to align to our purpose and our why. You know, you've got to know why you want to go and what you want out of it. And, you know, for me, initially, it was actually all about an, a bit of an adventure and travel and, you know, seeing the world. So it wasn't a career driver that took me overseas, but it was a career driver that certainly opened up and kept me overseas. So that can change. But I think there's definitely that that mindset of openness, looking to learn, looking to expand, looking to grow. And there's a resiliency that come that, you know, really underpins that. Uh, So it's really interesting. I mean, my childhood was also, you know, really different in the sense that I grew up you know, actively mobile, even though we weren't on expat assignments. I grew up, you know, 12 to 14 hours west of Brisbane, country kid, Queensland country kid, you know, whose family moved a lo- uh, from my father's, through my father's work, went to boarding school when I was 11. Oh, snap, me too. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, there was certainly the ability to cope with change and cope with relocation was obviously a part of my lifestyle that I think ultimately set me up for part of the challenges I encountered. I was was a very shy kid, um, so I wasn't a naturally gregarious, loud, out there, chase adventure um, type kid. But you know, the experience has really underpinned what I think was a fairly um, strong sense of resilience around coping with some of those those changes. I think you've obviously got to have a real interest in people and interest in culture to go and do that. And I think that those things help. But equally, when you come back to Australia, you've got to know why you're coming back. Because the reality is Australia is a smaller 
uh, marketplace in terms of work. Um, and typically, I find people are returning to Australia for a couple of key reasons. They've either got ageing parents, um, they've got children starting school at a particular sort of level. They It is a lifestyle choice to, to return or, you know, they, they are being brought home by an organisation. And so, if you, you've got to understand and be anchored to your why because the challenges will come around navigating a smaller workforce, a smaller sort of, you know, community base, especially if you've come out of a Hong Kong, London, New York, it's a different lifestyle. So there'll be things that you'll miss all of a sudden from there. Like suddenly not being able to get dinner at nine o'clock at night because in Sydney... Yes. <laughs> The kitchen's closed. That's what I noticed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, um, you know, I mean, you know, I, I'm, I live in central Melbourne, so I'm very fortunate I can walk to the, you know, not far and jump on a train. But, you know, that, you know, for many people who don't come back to inner, inner city, like the sense of feeling connected um, is very different when you've been overseas as well. You know, the sheer size and scale of the countries and the cities within those countries is vastly different to here. So you learn to operate in a different way. And often it's those little things that catch you by surprise. Yeah, totally. That, that's all part of the experience, I guess, and how you make sense of that and adjust, like you say, when you come back is, is the key, I guess, to both going and coming with a successful expat experience mm-hmm. behind you. I'm going to change tack Absolutely. a little bit. I'm going to ask you two questions I ask all my guests, and of course you don't get to escape that, Margot. Um, but I'd love, <laughs> to, right. love to ask you, have there been sort of one or two special mentors or inspirational people in your life that have perhaps guided you on your career experience? And if so, who are they and what, what have they actually taught you? Oh, gosh, there's, there's actually a couple. And I think, you know, some of them have been almost family, well, they are family members. You know, I, I, you know, have a dad who relocated for his career. He was an expat kid. Um, his parents were in the Solomon Islands for a long part of his schooling, you know, working with Unilever. And so, you know, in terms of navigating change and, you know, navigating some of those expat type nuances, I mean, he was a very early influence in my, in my life around that. But I also think um, I've been very, very fortunate with with a couple of my uh, managers and bosses, um, both in the UK and here in Australia that have been real guiding influences in the way that I've done things. And that's been firstly, as an Australian landing in the UK and doing business there, and then conversely, being an Australian returning. And I remember when I first came back to Australia and you know I was doing the good old interview path and which way I was going to go. And I remember meeting somebody who I ultimately worked for and he bought me and my experiences first from an international perspective. And that was actually incredible after I'd gone through such a number of interviews where people kind of just, I felt like they just didn't get me or they didn't get what I'd been doing. So to feel like you as a person were understood was really critical. And he'd he'd lived overseas and done the expat experience and returned. So that was a really big influence for me. Moving to Melbourne was actually a new city for me when I returned to Australia. So I was very fortunate in the sense that there were a couple of people that I met who had lived overseas themselves and returned, who became a really close social network. And we refer to them as our London crew, even though 
many of us have lived and worked in many different parts to London, other than some places other than London, but they were absolutely critical in helping me navigate the, a new area here locally and were very generous with connecting me to um, other people, be it for professional reasons. I mean, as a, somebody who was in the world of consulting, ultimately there's a sales component, so I didn't have a client base here when I returned. So even just getting into the world of business in Australia and in Melbourne um, was a new path and they were absolutely instrumental. And that's actually really the heart of how InSync came to be because I know that I was very fortunate to be connected via others and I saw that play out in my life and in my career with great success. And so I think seeing that in other people gave me the inspiration to actually start the InSync community because I was, I say I was in in my day job in corporate, working in corporate consulting, I was collecting all these people who very, very high achievers doing incredibly interesting things had done incredibly interesting things but somehow still felt disconnected and I was like, this is crazy. You know, we need to get people together. And for some people, that was about expanding business relationships and market or sharing market intelligence or in industry intelligence. For others, it was like, I actually just want to meet some people that I can enjoy beer with and go the footy with. And, Absolutely. you know, it's so thing it, was, it was, re- yeah, it was really, um, so there's different drivers, but I would say that that group, and there were one or two key people in that group who were incredibly generous with their time and with their introductions that became the inspiration for InSync. And then, of course, I mean, I meet wonderful people through that community and I'm inspired by what they do and how they've navigated some really interesting um, places, you know, one member who spent some time in Mongolia. You know, that's a very different type of expat assignment to somebody who goes to San Fran. And so, like, I meet and hear these incredible stories, which I find really rich and rewarding and fulfilling about, you know, just how great life is and what we can achieve by just applying a different lens and, and looking at, you know, what, what what's available between, in front of us. And then seeing people come home and reconnect and find that, you know, sense of like, oh my gosh, they get it. They get it. Like, I, I, I love that. And so that's, that, that continues to inspire me um, through, you know, or people in that group continue to inspire me. So I feel, I feel really fortunate to um, have been able to marry, I guess, a professional path with, you know, a community um, and, a, and I guess a lifestyle because, you know, when you live overseas, it becomes a lifestyle. And it, it's nice to see an alignment come together. To wrap up, what would be your top three tips for how we can all be more successful in the politics of expat life? Uh, I think there's, well, the top three would be firstly to embrace the opportunity if it comes your way. Um, I would say plan and prepare for it um, as a whole person or as a whole family. Don't just think about it just as a career move or just as an adventure. Like it is about what can we, what can we do and what do we want out of this? Um, equally in that considering, I always say, consider what your exit plan is ultimately uh, because otherwise the last part becomes the problematic part. Uh the other part is, is connect. I would say connect, connect, connect. Um, so maintain your connections here uh, if you're about to head abroad and, and do that with a little bit of consideration around I'm really going to need to understand what's going on, be that from a, again, a professional perspective, um, but also personally. 
um, so that you do come home and feel like you're still a part of that community. Um, Equally, though, maintain your global connections um, when you come back to Australia because the way that the world is working, we – I mean, I see now – I – was calling somebody the other day, somebody who I actually lived with in London and um, said, I'm now sitting on a board of a charity and it's around this space and you work in that space. And so, you know, 12 years later, here have I got an amazing UK connection that's contributing to something that I'm doing um, back here. And it's, it's fantastic to still have that, that you can tap into. The other thing I would say is you know, the create, make sure that you continue to create new opportunities and new experiences, even on the back of a, of a, of an expat experience. So for me, travel was really important and seeing new places and meeting new people. And so when we came home, it was really important to go, okay, well, Victoria is a new state. There's plenty of parts of Australia I haven't seen. So how do I keep that sense of adventure alive? And what do I need to do to create that sense of excitement and fulfillment? And I did that with my career ultimately as well. So I think, you know, consider, connect and create and um, put the plans together around that. You've been such a generous and insightful guest on this topic. We thank you for your time. And if you do want to connect further with Margot Anderson, there will be some details of her social media links on our website. Until next time, keep well. Thanks for listening today. If you've enjoyed the politics of everything, we thrive on feedback. So please add a short review and share the podcast with your network and your friends and family. I'm also always on the hunt for fabulous new guests. So if you've got a view to share and an idea how to get our listeners excited, please email me at amber at bespoke comms, that's B-E-S-P-O-K-E-C-O-M-M-S dot com dot A-U and we'll be sure to get back to you. Until next time.